Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. I've just been watching this baffling display by Anthony Joshua after he lost his fight tonight. Um, just, I, I don't know if he's trying to be nice or trying to be an arsehole, but he's just said this really weird string of stuff. He started off talking about how Usyk's a great boxer and like he's he's a five-time champ now, let's give him five cheers, blah, 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 blah. Then he starts going about, I've been studying Ukraine... I don't know what's going on over there, but it, it's not nice. And I'm like, dude, it's fucking war. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Not nice. Like, I I think he's trying to be nice about it um, and trying to be classy. But I think that he probably could have done with maybe going over his notes a little bit a little bit more carefully, and maybe not doing a speech right after he's just gone the distance with the world heavyweight champion and got his mm-hmm. bell absolutely rung several times. Like I'm guessing that being hit around the head isn't conducive to making heartfelt speeches. Like he thought that he was going to be rocky, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he started off by saying people are saying why don't why don't you throw combinations like Rocky Marciano? Well, Rocky Marciano's 14 stone. I'm fucking 18 stone. It's like, <laughs> dude, seriously, chill. What the hell? Like, there's a reason why people don't normally give a live mic to boxers after a match, and you're proving it right now. It's yeah, so I'm, bad. I'm very thankful that that doesn't happen in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll get on to wrestling. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the BS cast. Um, you know what time it is. It's She-Hulk O'Clock. That's right. A new series dropped on uh, on Disney+. Plus. Um, interestingly, we've not exactly been keeping up to speed with every single Disney Plus release. Uh, you'll notice that there are no episodes for Miss Marvel. I've not actually watched Miss Marvel yet. It kind of felt like it was one of those shows that you didn't need to watch. Um, yeah. There was nothing in the marketing that particularly stood out to me. I will get around to watching it. I'm not making some kind of stance because I dislike people of a certain background or anything like that. That's a load of fucking bullshit. If you're not watching a show because a character is brown, you've got big fucking problems. Um, but I, I don't know. The marketing for it just didn't make it look particularly interesting to me. Um, I don't know why. Uh, but I, I'll get around to watching it and maybe we'll review it on the show. But I feel like the time for talking about it has passed. One thing that the time for talking about it has not passed, and in fact, it's quite prescient because the first episode launched this week. Tyler, we're going to talk about She-Hulk. Yeah, She-Hulk, attorney at law. Attorney at law, the big, sexy, six-foot-seven, green-skinned goddess of a woman that is Jennifer Walters, uh, cousin of Bruce Banner. And this first episode, I, I thought that this did a really good job of introducing the character and doing her origin in a way that didn't feel particularly standard. Let's let's put it that way. Um, what, what did you think about the the way by which they introduced her character and and the the manner of this episode? Enjoyed it, but also like I'm ready for lawyer show. Absolutely, 
Yes. This was, this was a lawyer show. This was origin story, but I'm, now I'm all I'm all about lawyer show, and Hope, I want to see what happens next. I, I'm hoping that we are going to get the the lawyer show that uh, a lot of people have have been thinking we might be getting. Tatiana Maslany uh, herself has said that um, she loves. I was watching a, an interview that she did with uh, Radio One Extra in the UK. And it was a really good interview. I, I think that she's she's a really, really good interview, especially when she's being interviewed by someone that asks her slightly off-base questions, if that makes sense. Because when you're doing the press junkets, you get the same question over and over and over, right? So a good interviewer will find a way of asking questions in interesting ways. And this interviewer for BBC Radio 1 did a really, really good job. Um he was kind of asking her about, uh, like, this isn't the first time that you've been uh, in a lawyer show because you were in Perry Mason back in 2020. Um, were you did was was this prep work for, for playing Jennifer Waters, or is, is it, you know, what what is this? And she she said um, she loves slice of life, which is something that Felipe is not a big fan of. Like we we know Felipe is not a big fan of slice slice of life and uh, like stuff based in in schools and things like that. Um, I am a big fan of Slice of Life, and as a result, legal dramas uh, are, are pretty pretty much like catnip to me personally. So yeah, I'm right with you there. I I'm looking forward to this being. Obviously, it's going to have a superhero element to it, but I'm looking forward to it having a decent element of courtroom drama as well. Um, I don't think it's going to be the Pelican Brief. But I don't think that it's realistic to expect it to be. Um, but yeah, this. But this... It's, it's supposed to be. It's. I would say it's closer to like Ali McBeal um, meets Ooh, Harvey yes. Birdman, Attorney of Law. I. It's what I kind of expect this show to be like. It's I like that. Comparison. Not super serious, but a hundred percent a comedy lawyer show where mm. it seems like the original plan was to kind of have a ongoing probably a traditional style like who knows if it was six episodes or not but like a traditional style show where this season is just this emil blonsky trial mm. but they decided not to do that and now the show is much more seemingly like it's going to be a case of the week kind of thing which is great 30 30 minute episode comedy trial of the week show and i'm excited for it i can't wait for it to get started definitely i mean they have nine episodes um in this run apparently according to mm-hmm. what i looked up which is slightly longer than some other shows have been given and a lot longer. Yeah, we're back we're, it's it's back to the wandavision format yeah which we haven't seen in a while um and i i like that it gives you a lot more especially with half hour episodes it gives you a lot more room to tell your story and, and to tell a bit of a varied story um i uh I thought this this beginning episode was was really well done. Like you have to do the origin story. You have to. It's especially for a character like She-Hulk who is not like a an an A level character. Mm-hmm. And although you could say the same thing about Iron Man before the first movie came out, but you know, we're in a yeah. slightly different landscape now where you can afford to do these things on TV as well. Um she does need to have her origin told. The benefit for me is that she's the cousin of a character that I know fairly well. Mm. Um, and because of the fact that 
she is also a Hulk, as she says in the show at the very beginning. Yes, yes, I am a Hulk. Um, it means that there's shorthand for a lot of things. You already understand a lot of these things that she's going to be going through. The whole fear thing and uh, anger thing, triggering her transformations, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what I thought was really good was the fact that they play off a lot of that. Like Bruce sits her down and he gets his big ring binder out and you know he talks about how, well, I, I documented all of this when I was trying to integrate my personalities um that's something that i want to come back to in a second because you've got a really interesting uh point that you made about this in relation to another tv yeah. show and i wonder if that's something that we're going to see more of in the future um but like he he talked about the fact that he spent a lot of time on uh on the island he's documented all of this um all, all, all of the the effort that he's gone through with it and um I absolutely love, 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 love the fact that she almost immediately is like, yeah, I can already do all of this. And she's like, she's just doing it so much better than, than he is. And I'm, I'm sure that that's something which was a part of the character anyway, because uh, from what I'm aware of, and I'm not aware of much, I'm not an expert on She-Hulk at all. And I'll put that on front street so that people know. Um, Jennifer Walters She-Hulk has always been much more in control. She's been an integrated character. It, it's literally she's still her. She's just six foot seven and bright green, and that's literally the only difference. Um, and I, I because the character has existed for a while, and I know that there are several versions of her, and, and this version is based on a comic run which was done not massively long ago. And from this episode, I'm guessing that a lot of the fact that she's able to control herself straight off the bat comes from the fact that women have to be a lot more in control. There's a brilliant line when she's sitting with Bruce and she basically says, look, we have to control our anger on a daily basis. I constantly have to bite my lip. I have to stop myself from biting back at people that are worse than I am at my job, telling me how to do my job um mansplaining things like that um i have to on a constant be be worried about the fact that if i say the wrong thing that i might be uh i might be killed you know like she they they read this this show does not pull punches and uh it, the name of the showrunner is it jessica gow or jennifer gow i I'll have to look it up. Uh, yeah, it is Jessica Gow. Jessica Gow. Who is a former writer on Rick and Morty. Ah. She, she is the one who penned the Pickle Rick episode. <laughs> I knew there was a reason why I liked her. Um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I like the Pickle Rick episode, but I'm not like a mad fan like some people are. And, and I'm sure that a lot of listeners will know that from when we talked about it. I, I think Pickle Rick is a fantastic episode of that show. It's a really good episode. not why everyone likes it. <laughs> it's a really good episode, but I'm not going to base my entire uh, personality around shouting Pickle Rick every time that I see something yeah. partially related. Um so you've got a female showrunner. There's a lot of female staff members on this show. And that really lends itself to the fact that they're writing a lot about the female experience, not just in America, but worldwide. And that scene felt really, really eye-opening to me. Um, 
not that I wasn't aware of the fact that women are very much fearful for their safety in a lot of situations where men can just basically walk without having to worry about it, you know. Uh, we had a case over here um, during the pandemic where uh, a woman was uh, approached on uh, one of the, the commons, kidnapped, raped, killed, and a lot of other stuff done to the body after the fact. And it turned out it was actually a policeman that did it. Um, and there was a massive uproar because of the fact that she was just walking. She was just walking. And she didn't deserve any of that. Nobody deserves any of that. But she's literally just a woman walking home after seeing her friends. And she shouldn't have to fear for her life. And if you were a man in that situation walking through the common... You wouldn't fear for your life. You wouldn't fear for your safety in the same way. Um, so it's a very specific thing to the female gender. And I'm glad that there are shows like this that are putting that forward. And yes, they're putting a comic filter over the top of it. But nobody ever said that you couldn't teach people things and not make them funny at the same time. Like The Newsroom is one of my favorite shows of the last 10, 15 years. And that thing was hilarious. But they dealt with a lot of very serious t subjects at the same time. You'd be laughing one minute and crying the next. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that She-Hulk has got the potential to do that. I don't know if they're going to go into it massively, more so than they have done in this first episode at least. Um, there's there's another line which was in the trailers as well, but uh, Bruce is telling her while she's in the chamber that is set up with the buzzsaws in the, in the, in the lab, um, your transformations can be triggered by fear or anger. And she says, those are basically the baseline emotions for any woman ever. Um, and again, much truth is said in jest, but it's one of those things that I, I think that this show can be an eye opener to a lot of people. And I hope it is. Um, but it is also a very funny, very funny TV show. Um, um, yeah, I, I wanted to, to bring up the thing, too, where I've seen a lot of stupid takes recently online, and I've seen a lot of people complaining about that whole scene where she talks about that because it's a Marvel movie. Oh, come like, on. Or because it's a Marvel thing. They're like, like it's 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 like really embarrassing that Marvel's like trying to do this faux feminism shit. Oh, fuck the off. whole show was written and directed by women, dude. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's genuinely how they feel. That is not the Marvel producers being like, let me let me make make this point that I think women are going to like. No, it's fucking written by women. And the the very almost idea. every episode has like the pen the because it's complicated with writing TV writing. Just the person who pens it doesn't aren't the sole writer. It's a mm. whole writing staff. But the majority of the people who are the credited writers for this season are all women. There's only like I think two that are guys. Yeah. Yeah, which you, know, you do need some men in the room as well because there's going to be some male characters as much as there are female characters. But this is a very female-centric show. The lead is a female. A lot of the support characters around her are going to be women. So you do need to have a lot of women in the writing room. And what I find really insulting, and, and this isn't just on the subjects that we're talking about now, but I just say, I'm just saying in general... Some people will use the fact that this is a superhero TV show slash movie in, you know, in, a, in other cases. They'll use that fact to somehow try to insulate themselves from the fact that 
real shit happens. And it's like, I'm sorry, but just because you're watching a movie about a wizard or a man in a magical iron suit or a guy with a magic hammer doesn't mean that things like cancer or multiple personality disorder or, you know, women fearing for their lives just walking down the street isn't a thing that happens in a world where superheroes exist. Of course that shit still happens. Of course it happens. And don't for a second try to pretend that because it's a superhero movie that it shouldn't touch on important issues. Because any good fiction should be believable and should be rooted somewhat in real life. And yeah, science fiction and superhero movies, it's escapism. But at the same time, you should be allowed to tell whatever story you want to tell. And this story is about a woman discovering possibly, certainly a physically stronger side of herself. But I wondered long term if the story might end up going down the route of saying, emotionally, I was always this strong. You know, I became a lawyer without being a she- without being a Hulk. I won these cases without being a Hulk. Yeah, I'm a Hulk now, and that gives me physical strength. But emotionally, I always had it. Intellectually, I always had it. And, you know, th- th- this can be a... This this story could be spun a lot of different ways, but I think one of the themes that we might end up seeing is one of empowerment and one of acceptance of yourself as you are and not as the ideal woman because there seems to be an awful lot of stuff in the advertising of, look at me, the ideal woman, six foot seven, shapely as fuck, your ass in that dress, blah, blah, blah. And and the one line, hello, um, which I love. I think it sound, it's hilarious. Like the delivery is great, but... It seems like there's an awful lot in the advertising of look at me being statuesque and sexy as fuck. And it's like, yeah. Well, the reviews of the first four episodes say that this is the horniest show. And and I'm, I'm here for it. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I, Jesus Christ, the things that I would let a six foot seven she Hulk do to me. (laughs) But having said that, Tatiana Maslany, just as Jennifer Waters, just boring old Jennifer Waters in in, in this show. She's a very attractive lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I I am I am not looking at her and thinking, oh, please turn into Hulk. Like I, I I'm happy with her, however she wants to look in this show. So now I've got my first out of the way. Um, <laughs> I I just I, this is this was a really good episode for me. I I thought that it delivered on all counts. I thought the somebody said to me over Twitter that they felt the pacing of the episode was off. Um, I'm not entirely sure because I, I didn't feel that way and they didn't go into detail as to what it's exactly they meant by that. Um, I, I would assume maybe somebody thinks that just because this is shorter than what we're used to because it's been a while since. Like, mm. this is the shortest live action thing we've seen. Because normally they run 40, 45 minutes, don't they? Yes, but WandaVision was about the same length. That's that's why WandaVision had nine episodes. WandaVision went Uh, very long, though, in terms of, like, it spun stuff out a lot more. Right. Like, WandaVision was short early on, and then once you kind of got out of that section, it started to be a little bit longer. Mm. And I think this episode is is right around 
20 minutes, which is probably why it feels like weird. Yeah, and it's essentially like a couple of minutes intro, then origin for like what probably, if you're saying the runtime's about 20 minutes, then you're probably talking about like 18 minutes, maybe for, maybe slightly less for, for origin. And then like a minute, minute and a half outro where they introduce Jamila Jamil's character. She immediately gets beaten and there's more to come from her, I think. Like, I, I don't think that Jamila Jamil yeah, came in just to be punched. She's in multiple episodes of the yeah. series. I think she's one of the main characters. So there, there's obviously ongoing... Not in this one much. No, there's ongoing stuff going on. Um, from that point of view, I can see what they're saying. Maybe it's just that the pacing felt a lot quicker because of the fact that they needed to get through stuff. For me personally, I don't think they needed to spend any more time than that on the origin. And actually, I thought that the origin was dealt with pretty well in terms of pacing. Like... A lot of people will complain whenever they get another origin, but I think that a lot of the time the complaint is we're getting another origin for heroes that we already know the origin of. Spider-Man, Superman, Batman. Oh no, my parents died. Oh no, my uncle died. Oh no, my entire fucking planet died. Um, Not in that order. But with She-Hulk, like I said earlier, like I don't know that much about She-Hulk other than she's related to the Hulk and she has the same complaint but deals with it slightly differently. Um, so to see this and to get all of that and to for it to highlight the differences between her and, um, and, and Bruce Banner's Hulk as well was pretty cool. And, Tyler, I know this is the thing you're most interested in uh, finding most important. He fixed his arm. Yes, I told you I thought that this was going to take place during the blip, and I was wrong. They just said that he fixed it. I'm like, okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's not that important. Look, to a majority of people, it's not that important, but there are people that are always trying to figure out where stuff takes place in the in the grand scheme of things timeline-wise, and it's understandable. And the fact that he mentions, like, he, he has his arm in a sling at the beginning of the episode, and I was like, oh, hello, this takes place after the uh, the blip then. So this is this is post um Endgame and Infinity War. Like this is after all of that stuff. Um which makes sense because he's always talking about uh about the fact that um Tony built this for me and he gave me this and he's always very wistful about him, so clearly this is after Tony they they made it very clear pretty much right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Was... Yeah, yeah. Um I like the MacGuffin of the device that keeps him in his human form. Partially because you have to find a way to make Bruce bleed to get the blood into uh, Jennifer. But also, I bet it saved them a ton on animating that scene because they didn't have to. They just put regular old uh, Bruce in the car with her. (laughs) Didn't didn't have to rent like a Humvee that they could actually fit the Hulk into or anything like that. Um so I I was a big fan of that. I, I felt they dealt with the whole origin thing really well. Um, I, I like the fact that she's immediately just herself, but in a Hulk body. Um, the breaking the fourth wall thing really works for me. I don't know how, how it is for you, because I know not everyone gets on with fourth wall breaking, but I... Love it. Oh, cool. Okay. We're we're singing from the same hymn sheet, because there's, there's going to be a scene in an upcoming episode where... And she talked about this in this Radio 1 interview. She said, I thought it would be really funny if I just took my hands off the steering wheel of the car and just turned to the camera and just ignored that I was driving a car completely and just talked to the camera. Like I thought that would really break the fourth wall. So 
that's the scene where she talks about this isn't that kind of movie uh, that kind of tv show where you get a guest appearance every week well except for bruce well and him and him yeah and then she does that look she does this a couple of times and i'm absolutely in love with it and i i mentioned this to you before when we were talking about it she does this little thing with her eyes where she'll look at the camera she'll look away then she'll look back again and it's just this really subtle just movement of the eyes where it's like i'm looking at you then i'm looking off into the middle distance trying to figure out whether i've whether i know what i'm doing is is what's happening and then i'm looking back at you and i'm like yeah okay like she does it at the um at the beach uh at the bar when she says he doesn't mean that and she does it again in in the trailer with the uh with the car i'm looking forward to many many instances of uh, fourth wall breaking and mm-hmm. i'm really looking forward to because she they mentioned this to her as well imagine when deadpool turns up in yeah. in this universe and you've got both of them breaking the fourth wall potentially to different cameras potentially unable to see the fourth wall that each other are breaking and maybe she said we'll be in a tim hortons just drinking uh, double espressos and, <laughs> and being really polite to each other because <laughs> uh, uh, oh yeah because they're both from canada <laughs> well this is the funny thing yeah so the um the the deadpool character grew up um he comes from regina in somewhere in canada tatiana maslani grew up in the same place regina yeah. in canada and she mentioned that and like she it was one of these things i was like shit she knows where he was born and then it turns out she knows because he's a local celebrity from where she's from <laughs> <laughs> like, so we don't get many heroes down in regina um but i i love the idea of those two I, i'm just in, in love with uh, tatiana maslani in general like the way that I- she goes about things is just wonderful I want to recommend you talked about, you know, hearing interviews with her where she gets to, you know, kind of go off and have fun. Yeah. Uh, she frequently, she's a fan of this uh, podcast I like called Comedy Bang Bang, which is an improv comedy podcast where essentially like every episode is the host. Uh, well, sometimes I have a celebrity who's like, <clears throat> does like a little interview at the top and then comedians will come on as characters and they'll all improvise together like you know, here's our, here's my next guest. And it's some weird guy and they've got some weird story and everybody just jokes around together. And Tatiana has been on it several times and she's one of my favorite guests because she's so game to just mm. go crazy on whatever weird thing everybody's doing. She definitely came across <laughs> as being really open to wherever it was. It's that attitude of wherever this conversation's going, I'm, I'm going to go there with you. Like, you know, yeah. she, she seems like a really fun person. And to, to my discredit, to the point where she's mm. actually, they, they're, uh, it got, it started to get reported on things that she was clearly making up on comedy bang bang <laughs> uh, because she said, I, I think the genuine thing that she said is that she auditioned for the Michelle Williams part in Venom. Mm. But then um, they start joking around and they were like, Oh yeah, I was, I auditioned to play Venom's girlfriend, not a human character. I was also a symbiote and I was Venom's girlfriend or whatever. And people reported that. And I'm like, she's clearly just joking. She's improvising with them. You know what these people are like, man. They'll they'll take any story and they'll report it before they even check. Because gotta get that scoop. 
it's just one of those things no she just seems like so much fun and um i to, to my eternal discredit i have never seen an episode of orphan black despite the fact that i absolutely loved dollhouse when it was on and the concept of dollhouse is so similar in that you have uh the main character playing different roles every week um did you ever see dollhouse are you aware of it at all dollhouse i've seen like in maybe an episode of and then i've i've seen the not much of Orphan Black, but I've seen a little bit of it just okay. to kind of see her like old deal. Sure, because the difference from what I'm aware, like the, I know for sure what Dollhouse is is like. Uh, Eliza Dushku is the main uh, lead in that show, and in the early episodes, the conceit of it is that she can have her mind wiped and then personalities imprinted onto her, um, and so like really like well uh, high earning people can basically hire out these dolls to fulfill different roles, whether it be bodyguard, nanny, fake girlfriend. Uh, but the advantage is that the person that you hire, the doll, completely believes they are the person that they are pretending to be. Because to them, they're not pretending. They just are that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it it goes into a lot of interesting places in terms of not just consent, but also how being so many different people can have an effect on you. Um, It's a very interesting show. The only downside of it is that, um, unfortunately, it was a show that was run by... um, Whedon. Joss Whedon, yeah. Which is a bit of an issue now, to be honest. But... um, I I would still say if if you can watch it without necessarily purchasing a DVD, if it's available <laughs> to stream for, if it's available to stream or something like that for free on a service you you're already subscribed to, I know that kickbacks still come from that because that's the way it works. But I think it's a worthwhile show, even with the fact that Joss Whedon was heavily involved in it. Um, Orphan Black, from what I'm aware. Maslani plays a clone every week. Like the every character that she plays, she, she has a main character who like runs into a doppelganger, and then it turns out that there's like a ton of clone versions. Yeah, so it's maybe not every week it's a new one, but there is just like tons and tons and tons, and then some of them start actually like hanging out together. So there's like whole scenes of that show where it's just her sitting around the table, and it's just like seven or eight of her. Mm. And she's the only one in the scene. Sounds kind of cool. But she's playing each part. And she's fantastic. And oh, God, every yeah. single one of them feels completely different. Well, that, that's what I loved about Dollhouse was that the range, the, the pure range that Eliza Dushku had to have and all of the other actors, because there's several actors in that that are regulars that are in the same position. It, it's just, it must be a dream job to be able to have that range and to be able to exhibit that number of different characters. So for Tatiana Maslany, um, I, I keep thinking I'm mispronouncing her name, and I probably am. Uh, but no, yeah, I think you got it right, Ta- okay. Tatiana Maslany. Okay, or Maslany, uh, I think maybe. Mas- Maslany, Maslany, really- yeah. Um, for her to be able to play all those different characters must have been like really exhausting, but really, really re- um, rewarding as well. And I, I keep meaning to go around to it, 
but for whatever reason maybe it's because starting another series is like one of the least things i need to do right now um but yeah so she's kind of a mystery to me coming into this and i'm so delighted with what i've seen of her so far that i'm now in the position where i just want to go and watch everything that she's in because i think she's brilliant like her comic timing is great her delivery is fantastic she's a very very good actor and like on an on a personal level her politics the way that she comes across in interviews her general sense of humor she's just one of those people that i just want to support her career because i think that you need to support the people that you want to see succeed and through people's success you can affect change and she's the kind of change that i want to see in the world so you know that's kind of where i am with that also i'm a very thirsty man and um she's a very attractive lady so <laughs> i should i shall just foster this parasocial relationship with her over here like a, a cup half drunk cup of coffee at a local diner <laughs> um but yeah i i like the first episode i'm definitely going to carry on watching uh are, are you in a similar boat yeah, no, I, I'm super into this. Uh, I'm Like I said, I'm more excited for the rest of the season than I was this first episode because I'm excited to meet all of the characters and what and whatever they're doing with this, with the lawyer show. Like, mm. and I, and I kind of think the plot of this show is going to be <laughs> the, the conflict. And this is why I'm excited that it is a, a fourth wall breaking show, which I want to point out a lot of people in the marketing for this has, have said this, but I'm going to I'll bring it up to you just for anybody who isn't aware. Um, the fourth wall breaking thing isn't new. A lot of people are like, oh, it's like Fleabag. It is inspired by Fleabag, but She-Hulk's been doing this in the comics since before Deadpool. She's yeah. one of the first characters that breaks the fourth wall. That's her thing. Yeah, It's always been her thing. So that's not new. Um, but the idea of her essentially this first episode she gets these powers she goes to bruce's lab um she wants to leave but bruce is like nope nope we gotta figure out you gotta control your powers and she basically does it pretty quickly and she just wants to get back to her job i think the whole plot of this season of television is going to be that all um jen wants to do is do a lawyer show she just wants to do her lawyer show. Mm. And all of this stupid superhero bullshit keeps getting in the keeps way. Getting and all in the she way. wants to do is yes. do lawyer shows. And it's really going to be frustrating for her because all she wants to do is be a, a normal lawyer and not a superhero. But I think that's going to be getting in the way the whole time. I love this. And it makes yeah. even more sense why uh, Daredevil would get involved as well now because that's just one more thing where it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, why am I keep? Why are superheroes keeping turning up? Why do I have to work with a superhero in the courtroom now? This is ridiculous. Blah blah blah. She's probably. I wouldn't be surprised if they if she's like in a case against Matt Murdock, and she she's gonna meet Daredevil. We know that, but I think Matt Murdock's probably in this too. Yeah, because she's a prosecution lawyer, right? Um, she is going to be a defense lawyer because she oh, is, is going she? to join the team. Uh, that oh, that's right. Because Matt Murdock's a defense lawyer by trade so maybe they work together in this possibly possibly um yeah. but i i don't know uh i just i would imagine that considering the fact that 
Daredevil is also a lawyer and he's also in this show, you would think. <laughs> that might have something to do with it. Or at least yeah. there'll be a funny joke. Maybe he doesn't do any lawyering, but he just knows a lot about law, which you think is weird or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm but yeah, that- I, I think that's going to be it. I, I think she just wants to do a lawyer show and yeah. instead it's going to be superhero show and she doesn't want to do superhero show. She wants to do lawyer show. I think that's, a, she's great, a, lawyer. that's a great balance for that show Mm -hmm. yeah i i really like that as as an idea i hope that's what we get yeah she that's all she wants to do and i'm so pumped to get into these weekly characters and whoever she's defending for what reason and i think the cameos are going to be what i'm most excited about is character cameos either of characters that we have met before in the mcu but also, maybe we'll get some characters we haven't seen before. Like, we, we know we're getting, what is it, Frogman? Oh, God, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Or Leapfrog, whatever his name is, he's in this. Frogman, I think, him. yeah. Um, so uh, there's going to be a maybe, a, hopefully, a bunch of just weird one-off uh, superheroes or villains from Marvel that are going to be maybe a little bit more obscure that they wouldn't do somewhere else, but maybe can come in and do a little bit... Um, seems like they're going to really kind of um have fun with with all of that i'm yeah. excited i mean these, um, these tv shows are the perfect place for those kind of street level kind of bad guys you know like to, to take it to a dc realm like you wouldn't mm-hmm. see kite man in a movie but you will absolutely see him on harley quinn week in week week out so mm-hmm. you know I, I think that there's an awful lot of very weird street level bad guys that you could see in a Marvel show. And uh, yeah, this is the perfect place for them in the same way that when Netflix were doing their thing with the the Marvel heroes, uh, Jessica Jones and and things like that, like they, they, they managed to squeeze in the odd weirdo or slightly lesser known kind of street level guy. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. I I think that's, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing what, uh, what unfolds. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things. This, this is what I was going to bring up. You mentioned my point that I made on Twitter. Oh, yes. I wanted um, to segue to that, and you've just done it for me. So so Bruce, um, in this show, makes a comment that, once again, I'm, I'm starting to notice, because I, I feel like everybody was kind of like, well, Moon Knight was very much disconnected from everything in the MCU. Um, outside of like a handful of references in the background, barely nothing in the in the foreground seemed like it was really important to anything, except it just so happened to be right before Thor: Love and Thunder, a show about the gods who are maybe not the best, right? Some shitty gods in Moon Knight, and then you get another movie that kind of tackles that idea. Um, in this show, Jen transforms into the Hulk, into She Hulk. He's like. Are is that is Jen? Is that you? And she's like, yeah. He's like, there's not like another guy in there because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of confirmed, which has always been the case. But then he literally says the comment, "You have no altar," mm. confirming that just like um, Stephen Grant, the Hulk is an alternate persona. It's an altar of Bruce Banner that manifests itself as a different identity, which we kind of knew. Mm. But now it's literally been phrased just like Moonlight. Hulk is an yeah. alter. He is another person inside of that body. And I think that's very interesting. It's interesting. I, I wonder if it's just that they 
they ended up using the same language because i don't know maybe there's like a handbook for this kind of stuff it could be that they're they're trying to lead us down the road to something but i feel like that would be such a departure for the hulk character like you know like the 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 idea of um Oh, as well as that, like Moon Moon Knight, like the the altars, uh, the 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 altar um, thing with with Moon Knight isn't a affectation of um, his powers. Like that's a psychological uh, issue that he already had or that he was prone to. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're they're just trying to settle on one term for anyone that has any kind of schizophrenic or multiple personality affectations i don't know i don't know No, i think that's it i well i think it's always kind of been like that mm. um but now they're just putting a word on it like you saw I mean, moon Knight. we talked about alters and that and that's the same thing that's what the whole yeah banner. The, the common thing uh in in comic books is always to talk about oh what what's his alter ego and maybe it's just that that word is so synonymous with people that have dual identities whether it be batman mm-hmm. and bruce wayne or Superman and Clark Kent that it's transposed onto when you have something like the Hulk where this is this is the interesting thing I don't know if it was always the case that the Hulk was shown to be a separate consciousness like I always felt and the way that I thought that it was represented when I was concurrent when i was paying attention to the comics and things was that the hulk was like a subconscious release of what bruce was uh repressing so it wasn't a separate identity so much as it was his more visceral guttural primitive self you know so it's like it is two sides of the same coin but it's not two separate identities. I, I think in the mcu he has always been a different person yeah that's how they've um that they certainly went with with the mark ruffalo version that's absolutely the case um i'm not necessarily sure with the other two versions that we've seen uh but they're not necessarily a hundred percent canon because of the whole multiverse thing. Now they can make the argument that a lot of what you saw happen in those movies did happen to the Ruffalo version of the Hulk, but it happened slightly differently, and that's why he looks different. We've talked well, about kinda, this as well. They kind of already did with What If because yeah. they they did a scene from that movie, but had Ruffalo do it. Mm. So they've got that get out but uh yeah i i think that you're right that they have within the mcu they've always represented ruffalo's hulk as being a separate identity um even to the point that during the events of and i always get them the wrong way around but infinity war and endgame um he would literally argue with the hulk who didn't want to come out and like he would Hulk out and then the Hulk would be like, no. And uh, like you would see him half transform and Hulk would say, no, I'm not coming out. And he'd go back mm-hmm. to being Bruce again. Um, which I was always a little bit peeved about because again, my understanding of the Hulk, there's a story called Hulk immortal. The idea of it is that, the Hulk has been alive so long that Bruce Banner, the man, has actually died. And the only thing that is keeping the Hulk alive 
is his anger. So, in essence, the Hulk is immortal, but Bruce Banner is mortal. And if that's the case, then it doesn't make any sense that the Hulk doesn't want to come out. <laughs> because I get being embarrassed, I get being beaten to shit by Thanos. Well, he is... That's not what's happening here. I think it's, well, it's confusing more, because we disappeared. Like, kind of, but we we've kind of jumped time. But according to this episode, um, Smart Hulk is like it's like a balance between the two of oh, them. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I, I was just saying that during the events of was Infinity War the first or the second of the two. First one. Okay, so during the events of Infinity War, Hulk gets the absolute living shit beaten out of him, and then he refuses mm-hmm. to come out for the rest of the movie. And Bruce is put in a lot of situations where he is in mortal peril. But the Hulk, this is where the logic kind of falls down a little bit, but I don't mind. I, it's not like a game breaker. It's like, okay, this is something I thought about, but I'm happy to just leave it where it is. If the Hulk mm-hmm. is worried about not existing anymore... The last thing he should do is allow Bruce Banner to go into these situations without hulking out. Because if Bruce dies, the Hulk dies. Mm-hmm. But the Hulk can't die if he is the Hulk. Physically, if he, if, if he is hulked out, in theory, he can't die. Or at the very least, it's a lot harder for him to die. So it was one of those little things. But I actually, I really like um, the smart Hulk development. What I would like to see down the line, potentially, and what I thought we could see in this first episode, and and what would have been kind of cool, and we kind of did a little bit, I want to see him lose it a bit, and go a bit more Hulk, and a bit less Banner. And I think that the way to signify that is not just by having him roaring, and not necessarily talking, but I think that there's always been this unwritten rule with the Hulk, where the angrier he gets, the bigger he gets. And mm-hmm. Smart Hulk is definitely a slimmed down version of the Hulk that we've seen in previous movies. Like he's you, not as big as he's not as big. Yet. That's definitely not as big. I think it would be fun if at some point he loses control a little bit and he just gets that bit bigger and the glasses snap because his head is too big for them and he can't talk anymore and he just goes a bit hulkish and he just loses his shit for a minute. I think that would be really, really cool just to see him revert a little bit because he just lost control slightly because I, I i think that smart hulk is a great idea and it's a brilliant concept in bringing mark ruffalo back into it for large periods of the of the plot but i i think it's unrealistic to think that smart hulk should be able to keep his composure the entire time I think occasionally you need to lose it uh, like any normal person would. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that's something that, that would be a cool thing to see from time to time. And maybe it's even something that you'll see down the line in this series. I don't know. Because I doubt that this is the last we've seen of Ruffalo. Yeah. Curious to see how much he comes back. Uh, he got special guest star title hmm. on this episode. He, so he won't, I'm he won't be curious in. to see how much he's actually in it. I don't think it will be every other episode. He might turn up for the last couple of episodes or something. Yeah. But wouldn't it be a cool idea if uh, like Blonsky got out, um, either escaped or got out on a technicality or something and then went riot again. And like, 
it kind of writes itself that Hulk turns up in the last episode to help Jennifer. Or maybe even better, Hulk turns up trying to sort the problem out, loses it, and then Jennifer has to sort not only the Blonsky problem out, but the Hulk problem out and call him and calm him down. Um, I don't know. I think that would be kind of interesting. But there's a lot of moving you know, parts in this show. Or, or, you know, maybe he never comes back. And maybe not. Because he had to go to Sakaar. Maybe. Oh, because whatever point. the fuck's going on with that. I'm really interested to see where that's going as well, because that's just something that they just dropped in. It's like, oh yeah, it's a Sakarian messenger uh, drone. I'll have to check out what that was about later. And that's <laughs> it. They just leave it. It's like, I like the fact that he's so offhand about it now. It's like, oh yeah, aliens exist and they've sent a courier to tell me about something. Um, <laughs> but I want to know what that's about. And I'm guessing it's going to have something to do with Secret Wars. Just general MCU thing. It's just how fucking weird everything's gotten, and nobody even cares anymore. <laughs> like, like people people keep complaining. Probably the the other dumb complaint I keep hearing a lot recently because I'm like, who the, who gives a shit? People being like, how come they're not talking about the celestial? And I'm like, who cares? <laughs> that's probably the least interesting thing that's happened. I don't. Maybe nobody's even noticed. Who knows, man? I. It's in the middle of the Nobody fucking cares ocean. About that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's in the middle of the ocean. It's not affecting anything. It's, it's, who not. Cares? <laughs> it's not. I'll tell you what would be cool, though. If they were to eventually bring the X-Men in, and from what I hear, even though I've said that I've, I've not watched Miss Marvel, apparently there's a line where she may be a mutant rather than... Something else. It's a hundred percent. It's not even. It's yeah. not even like. Oh, it's hinted. It's they played the fucking theme song. Oh fucking hell! Okay, it's, so, it's, it's confirmed. She's a mutant. In this. So, so that being the case, eventually the X Men are possibly going to want their own homeland where they can feel safe, like they did in the comic books. Genosha. Kind of. I, I, I kind of feel like they're just going to start there. That could explain where they've been. Could do, but like we. How do you explain a continent just popping out of nowhere or a country just existing and not knowing who's in there? It happened a long time ago and they've been hiding there. That's why we haven't seen mm, yeah. anything. About, we I haven't know, heard like, about them, but they exist. That's why you can basically go and say, yes, Wolverine was around in World War II and had the same origin and all that yeah. stuff. And now he's on the sidelines. Same thing with, um, you know, with their new body. I almost feel like that comic book was designed to bring them into the mcu <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's probably the better way of doing it but what i was wondering was if you if you bring them in in the normal way where suddenly people start having mutations right and we start mm-hmm. from the word dot and maybe there are some mutants that kept themselves secret like professor x like magneto like wolverine but suddenly the incidents of mutations are so much more frequent that it's really hard to keep it under wraps. So you've got people from all over the world who are becoming mutants and they're being ostracized, which is weird because you've got an entire world full of superheroes that are absolutely fine. You haven't got a problem with them, but suddenly you've got a problem with mutants. But let's ignore that for the time being. That's a storyline issue that they're going to have to deal with with the writing. Um, wouldn't it make sense in the long run if if they were persecuted, they should all want a place that's safe that they can call their own? And, oh, what's this? A giant landmass has appeared in the ocean that we can habitat and, <laughs> and call our own. It looks like a giant fucking hand. But, on the plus side, 
it's not claimed by anyone because it's in international waters. So we can <laughs> claim it. Like that might be a way around it. And maybe they break some of the fingers off or something. I don't know to make it look slightly less hand like, but that. I- I think I've definitely heard somebody basically say a similar thing, like, oh, they could just make that something. <laughs> they could, could just turn Gen- that into Genosha. Uh, Genosha. Yeah, it, it, it could be. I mean, or whatever. There, there's a new place right now that is in the comics that is basically what I think they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, the I other way, the other way around. It. Where? Is what it's called. So I think that's probably what they're going to do. Okay. Um, the, the other thing would be that. I remember in the comic books at one point, I think, and, and this is long past now. They can't do this anymore. Storm married um, Black Panther and became Queen of Wakanda. So I suppose there's always the opportunity that the mutants could end up taking refuge in w- Wakanda. But I don't know. You've got a giant unclaimed landmass in the middle of the ocean in international waters. It kind of makes sense to me that somebody should eventually claim it and maybe it should be a put upon group of people that have nowhere else to go. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, I'm interested to see the, the one thing I think about the Miss Marvel thing that's exciting and interesting is how, um, cause I know some people were like, Oh, this is like, I don't know anybody personally who's like, I love the Inhumans, but there are people out there who I guess are big Inhuman fans who are like, <laughs> I can't believe you took away one of the, the most famous uh, Inhumans and made her uh, uh, a mutant. And everyone was really upset. And then the creator of Ms. Marvel said, I always wanted her to be a mutant. I wasn't allowed to because Marvel <laughs> didn't want anybody to make new mutants. So I had to settle for her to be inhuman. I never wanted yeah. that. I always wanted her to be a mutant. And now they're actually letting me do it. My, my, <laughs> like, oh, my, memory, that. my memory of it was that the, the inhumans kind of became the dumping ground for, like you said, like for anyone that wanted to create a new mutant, like, Inhumans they weren't allowed. Became... I Perlmutter wouldn't let them, so that's what they had to do. Yeah, because of the rights issues with everything. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't want to give more ammunition to uh, to Fox or whoever the hell mm-hmm. owned the the stuff exactly, at the time. Yeah. So they Fox. If, essentially. I don't know if the Inhumans were necessarily invented for that purpose or whether they were just repurposed for it. No, they were repurposed. Yeah, they existed mm. uh, before that, but that's essentially what he wanted them to use for. Because he's like, well, I don't want to. We own the rights to the Marvel Studios stuff. And so yeah. Marvel Studios can do in humans. They can't do X-Men. So don't make X-Men because then we lose the rights to it. Because I, I thought she, I thought she was a scroll. If I, if I remember correctly, wasn't there a version of Miss Marvel? And I'm not talking secret wars here or anything like that or secret invasion. But I, I thought that there was a version of Miss Marvel who was a scroll. I mean, possible, mm. but yeah, who knows? I don't, I don't. I don't think that's. I mean, I don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I, I don't. I'm not even gonna guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. I, I just know that she wasn't inhuman, and now uh, she's a mutant yeah. in the MCU. Well, at least they've got the X Men back, so they can do that. I suppose mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll retcon it in the comics before too long. I imagine. I think one of the issues that I had with not being too excited, apart from the marketing for uh, Miss Marvel was the fact that, like... And actually, this comes back to the marketing again. Everything that I saw of it, she was in, like, some kind of rinky-dink homemade costume that didn't fit particularly well, and it never really showed anything exciting to watch it for, like, no action set pieces or anything like that. Um, 
and again, like, you know, I haven't got an issue with the ethnicity of Miss Marvel or anything like that because, like, Miss Marvel has been uh, Kamala Khan for a long time. <laughs> and I haven't got a problem with that at all. At the end of the day, like, I'm not married to any of these characters. I don't care. I just want good characters that have good stories told about them. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, you need to, you still need to make me excited about the show. You can't just say, here's Miss Marvel. Here's well, her here's the thing that I have to say about Miss Marvel. Mm. I think, and it's not even that it's done bad. I think the worst parts of the show are the superhero stuff. Because. Oh, really? Yeah. The best stuff is it's a coming of age story. And they filmed it like Scott Pilgrim, like, um, all these other shows that kind of have this weird, like, imaginative tint to it. There's all kinds of fun stuff going on. And it's a fun story with interesting characters. I like uh, Kamala. I like her family. And when the the villains are introduced, the villains are lame. I don't like the villains very mm. much in the show. Um, her powers look fine. But I'm more interested to see her fight stuff later. I almost wish... It was just a story about her trying to keep under wraps that she had these abilities and doing low stake stuff. And mm. it was just a coming of age story because that was the best part. That oh, was what was yeah. really fun about it. I, I would actually find that a lot more interesting of a concept than, oh, look, another superhero mo- uh, you know, TV show with a bad guy. And yeah, despite what I've just said about not being excited about the marketing. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something about the marketing just didn't do anything for me. It didn't show me enough about the characters to get me invested in that idea. It didn't give me any concept of like who I I yeah, it just the whole thing just all of the marketing came across as really bland and it almost felt as though it was the marketing was almost like here's another TV show that we made for you. Now watch it. Be grateful. Like mm you need to make it interesting for me to, you know, like I, I was interested to watch the Obi-Wan Kenobi series because I saw little clips of like Darth Vader and I heard that Hayden Christensen come back for it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, I'm interested in all of the other Marvel TV shows that have come out so far. Even the ones that I mean, it's Marvel. Like I said, I really enjoyed Ms. Marvel outside of that. It, it, the the story is very forced and confusing. Mm. I think the best part is everything else. Once it gets into the superhero <laughs> story, I'm like, this is not as fun as the other stuff. But just the creativity and the way it's shot is so exciting to see a, like a Marvel property kind of it's just like this with the breaking the fourth wall thing. It's fun seeing them take a new something new with it because mm. there there is this scene where she and her friend. Um, are kind of they're they're riding their bikes and she's talking about what what cosplay options she could do and he and he's giving her ideas and as they ride their bikes in the background the graffiti on the walls is like animating what they're talking about so you're Ooh. seeing like a zombie what if you do a zombie Carol Danvers and you see that and like all these like cool animations in the background same thing when they text each other like. Uh, he works at a convenience store. So he's like walking down the street and gets a text from her and the texts appear in the background by like rearranging the, um, the led lights in the 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 bodega into the text messages. And it's so cool and inventive and really neat. That's the best part of the show. You see, Um, you see what the, what the problem here is, Tyler is that 
you have done a better job in selling this show to me than God knows how many thousands of dollars of Disney's money has managed. And mm-hmm. all it took was you to explain one scene that was never in any of the advertising that I saw, that if they just put that up on screen, I would have been like, oh, this looks different and original and interesting. I might want to watch this. But instead, mm-hmm. they just showed me the same old carbon copy bollocks, except that they took out all of the action and all of the interesting stuff out of that. So you were just left with, I've got an outfit which looks awful, and I might get a better one, but you're going to have to watch the show to see it. <laughs> Here I am. I also, on the I also like the way that they they do her name and and her outfit, and, and again, it's all her family stuff. That's what's so good. It's mm. that's what's fun about it, and what I enjoyed. And I am looking forward to seeing more of that character and, and what else they do with her. But I also feel like hopefully, because uh, what they should have done, fuck the clandestine, which is the bad guys in the show. Uh, give me Einstein, the bird with the mind of Albert Einstein that hates her for some reason. What? That's one of, that's her big, that's like her Joker or her, uh, her, um, Green Goblin. It's a giant bird with the brain of Albert Einstein. Oh my God. No, 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 wait, is it Einstein? No, 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 no. Uh, Edison, Edison. Edison it's Thomas Edison like as it. a giant bird, essentially. Edison, and he Edison makes hates, more sense. And he hates her. And, so, it's, and, and it's just like, it's very funny. And I think that's what they should have I, done. I don't know why. I don't know why. But the idea of Albert Einstein arbitrarily hating a superhero just doesn't ring true in the same way that Edison does. Right, that's that's what I meant. Yeah. It's, it's Edison because that's kind of like he's Edison's a bit of a villain. He's, <laughs> right? he's a bit of a dick, and it's very funny about. There's something so funny to me about Edison hating a child for some reason. <laughs> um, and and uh, Bruno, her her friend, he's a really fun character that I'm really excited to to see more of. Um, he, the actor playing Bruno, actually had a he auditioned to play um, Spider Man. Oh. When I went to Tom Holland. So that's like, you know, he almost got that part and then ended up here. And I, I'm glad that he gets to still be in the MCU. And I, he's like another semi-genius to, to add to the roster. I know they're bearing, barreling towards Young Avengers as they <laughs> slowly <laughs> add people. I don't know how much of a superhero he is, but he's definitely uh, smart enough to introduce mutants into the mcu essentially he's a a support character he's one of those support characters in the same way that um i'm trying to think of other not happy because it's not quite i don't know like maybe like a robin type character to draw another dc comparison like he he can Mm -hmm. be that kind of guy that uh he's not an a level or even a b level but he's like a really good support level character that comes in and is like kind of like um I can't remember her name now, but um, she was in WandaVision watching TV with oh, her yeah. big lips and uh, her lovely black Kat. hair. Cat Dennings, yes. Dennings character. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, Cat Dennings is that kind of support character that I would be happy if I saw her in almost everything. But she doesn't really do any heroing. She's just kind of there to explain tech and... And this is my whole pitch to Marvel. Just do a show 
where you take all the people who don't have powers and they're just hanging out somewhere and you don't have to spend any money on CGI. <laughs> do 30 minute, do nine 30 minute episodes of just live action support characters hanging out at Avengers campus. And they're not doing, they're just doing, they're talking about stuff that happened in the MCU. And you can and call it. You don't Mar- show any of it, and you almost make a joke out of it. You can call it and, Marvel's. And there's no, and not a single effects artist works on it, so they can focus on all your other stuff while you put out a whole season of television without having to bother them at all. You can call it Marvel's the support group. <laughs> yeah, support Marvel uh, um, emotional support. I don't know. What is it? Support group. It works both ways because yeah, support group works. They're, yeah, they're yeah. a group of like tech level. Uh, hero support characters that are there for each other but also they're supporting their heroes at the same time and they're all working out of like one of i don't know shields old old inspira- uh, installations or something yeah <laughs> i don't dislike this idea oh i forgot to mention since we're talking about just random crap i, I think that's pretty much it for she hulk right yeah, I mean, it was a pretty quick episode. There wasn't too much. I mentioned, I think, all the important stuff I, I yeah. wanted to bring up. Wait, I just agree. I, I love Tatiana Maslany. I, I cannot yeah. wait. She's just... Her, th- there are so many... I'm loving. And this is why, you know, I, I talked about my fan casting for the Fantastic Four. There are so many really great, funny actors who haven't done anything in the MCU. And... I'm really excited that a lot of them seem to be adding. I think this phase, if there, there's one thing I appreciate, it's all these new people, including um, uh, Iman Vellani, who plays Ms. Marvel, because mm. she, I don't know if you followed any of her shtick that she's she, she's been doing, but she is a huge MCU nerd. She is not an actor. Um, Audition for this role just because she was like, you know what? I'm <laughs> I fit the description of Ms. Marvel. I'm a big comic book <laughs> fan. Why not? Let me give it a shot. Yeah. And they loved her and they're like, you're exactly what we want for this. We want someone who's a fan to, to play this character. You're perfect. And she has been fighting specifically with uh Kevin Faggy about his designation of uh the 616 universe to the MCU. She's like, it's not 616. That's the comic universe. This is 199999. It always has been. Kevin. And like the fact that she's like this <laughs> child who's never acted before, constantly fighting with Kevin Faggy about this thing is so funny to me. <laughs> um, so so yeah, awesome. I, I love all of these characters that they're introducing. Tatiana Mazzolani is, I've been a huge fan of her for forever. And this is exactly the kind of project that I've wanted to see her do. She's kind of, I feel like she's kind of been floating since Orphan Black. She hasn't really done much. This is exactly the kind of thing I want to see her in. And knowing that she has the possibility to show up and more stuff is awesome. Uh, Haley Steinfeld. Love her. Can't yes. wait to see her more stuff. Yes. Lawrence Pugh. All of these people that they're adding into, oh, uh, fucking Moon Knight. Yep. Like, uh, Oscar Isaac. I'm so excited for these characters and actors to be a part of this roster because there are so many fun, talented actors that have been added. And that's what I'm most excited to see is them all work together. Hmm. Speaking of... And even just all actors in this that I really love. I'm, I'm excited to see more from. Hmm. Speaking of um, random crap that uh, I, I would like to see, I um, 
I, YouTube's algorithm is a strange and confusing and wonderful thing. Um, the reason I say this is because I started watching clips of a show that I know that you're quite fond of. And now I kind of want to watch the entire series because I've fallen in love with a couple of the characters. Uh, I've started watching community clips. Yes! And there's something about Amy in the... Somebody somebody summed her up perfectly in the comments for one of the videos. And it was a compilation of her and Ron Swanson just interacting with each other. And they said that she's the human equivalent of a cat that knocks things off of a surface and looks you dead in the eye while they're doing it. <laughs> and I completely fucking agree. Like, she's brilliant and i i've i've seen um the the actress involved i've seen her in uh child's play the the remake from 2019 i want to say um and i thought she was good in that but i'm watching these community clips and i'm just See, like that, that's parks and rec sorry You're talking about aubrey parks and plaza, rec. right aubrey plaza yeah parks and rec when i said ron swanson that should have been a, a big old clue i suppose <laughs> yeah. yeah i've not been watching community uh, <laughs> i've been watching parks and rec um oh yeah i don't know if you're a big fan of parks and rec as well or not oh, i also like parks and rec <laughs> that's okay that's okay we can still go here then um yeah i just i i'm, I'm watching this and i'm just like I don't know why I haven't watched this sooner. It's really, really good. Like it, it feels like they've taken the best aspects of the office and they've not fucked with them uh, in the same way that the U S office did. And I know that the U S office is really, really popular and it did really well and it outlasted the British one. And some people argue that that's probably not a good idea, including myself. Um, but I don't know there's something about it. Like there's, there's a clip where Ron Swanson has, He's injured himself and he's sitting in his office and he can't move like a muscle and the lights are on movement sensors. So eventually he's sitting there for so long that the lights go off and he says movement sensors because the camera crew is still there filming him like it's mm -hmm. a fly on the wall thing like the cameras are there and they know the cameras are there. And rather than do anything about his injury, the camera crew literally sit in the dark with him until Amy just turns up randomly and is like, do you live here? Why, <laughs> why, why are you still here? Why are you sitting here in the dark? And he's like, I, I, have, I have an injury. And she says, are you hurt? You have a disease? And she starts listing all these diseases and she's like, syphilis, AIDS, diphtheria. And eventually, eventually he fesses up. He says he's got, um, uh, God damn it, a hernia. <laughs> and she keeps saying all of these illnesses afterwards. And he's like, I already told you it's a hernia. And she said, it's possible to have more than one thing wrong with you. And she's just, but her delivery is so good. She's so deadpan. And it's such a different performance from what I've seen her from in, in Child's Play. I'm just like, I... I adore this. And Ron Swanson's got this really funny thing that he does. It's not funny, but it's just, it's, it's one of these affectations. He, he says, whenever she does something that he approves of, 
if he's in his office and he sees her through the window, he'll just give her this surreptitious kind of thumbs up and this mm-hmm. proud look on his face. And when they're talking to each other, he'll he'll ask her something and she'll say she'll give the answer and he'll be like, "Good girl." <laughs> and the weird thing is, anyone else says that, and it sounds weird, but from him, it just sounds like a proud father. And I mean, that dude's awesome. Like I've I've seen uh, videos of him in his home workshop. Like he's got a woodworking shop in his house, and he's big into woodworking. Um. But yeah, that show, that show looks really fun. I think I'm going to have to start checking it out, and I'm probably going to have Parks to start. Parks and Rec is great. You should watch Community. <laughs> I'm. I was about to say I'm probably going to have to stop confusing Parks and Rec with Community because mm-hmm. it should be fairly clear from the name of the show that one of them is set in the Parks and Recreation Department of the local council, and the other one is set in the community center uh for a um community college for a, so it's community college what am i saying center for it just comes off the tongue it's so easy <laughs> one of them is set in a community college which i am aware of because i think i have seen like one episode of community and it did tickle my funny bone. we watched it we watched uh two episodes i think for with the animated episodes that's right they did a stop motion animated episode yes. they did a um gi joe episode that's it that's that must be where i've seen them and it tickled my funny bone but I never went back to it afterwards. So I need to find somewhere that I can watch them. I, they'll probably be streaming on Amazon or Netflix over here, but uh, I'm sure they're somewhere. That's the community is on Netflix, at least here anyways. So let's go to Netflix right now and find out. Shall we? Either you cook my rice. Oh, I... shush. Okay. So <laughs> um, the listeners probably got a little earful of Kung Fu Panda two, which has come up on my suggested list, which is handy because we'll be reviewing that next week on Generation Animation. There's some corporate synergy for you. Um, right. Community. Community is on Netflix. There you go. There are six seasons. I say I six seasons in a movie. Uh, yeah. I say watch seasons one through three, then five and six. <laughs> Skip four. <laughs> I'm going to watch it all. Uh, Parks and Rec is not on Netflix, so let's try Amazon, because I'm all about that prime life, baby. And let's look for Parks Parks and Rec. Uh, If I want to pay more for it, then yes, I can watch it, but I don't really want to. Uh, I'll have to check because I think Now TV has a good selection of stuff. I wonder if maybe it will be on that. It's essentially Sky, but for people that don't want to take out a Sky subscription. So maybe I'll check that one out. But yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching uh, some community, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then hopefully if, if uh, Gillian Jacobs ends up being in the MCU <laughs> by way of Sue Storm. There you go. And Alice and Brie also said, I guess she wants to play a villain, which I think would be fun. She's so good. I need to watch more Glow. I only watched season one of Glow. I need to watch a lot Mm -hmm. more. Yeah, I actually remembered who Alice and Brie was. Booyah. (laughs) Occasionally, my memory works. There you go. 
Right, now I would love to talk wrestling with you tonight, Tyler, but we're going to have to leave it until next time because I'm knackered and this episode has already gone about 45 minutes longer than I initially thought it should. And we, and we did a whole other show before. We did do a two-hour show on Kung Fu Panda before. so I can... and, and it's nothing so much to say except that wrestling has still been pretty good. I don't have anything that I feel the need to talk about this week. I mean, NXT UK, but I can save that for a week because right, me- le- leave the memories alone, man. Like, it's, I, it still I'm hurts. very curious to see what happens with that since they were like, it's it's like rebranding, even though, but then they fired all these people. So what are you rebranding if you're firing everybody? Okay, we're talking about this now then. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we will do five minutes on this and then we have to go. Um my understanding and my theory behind it is this. Um, NXT UK is essentially going to expand into NXT Europe. A lot of the people that were part of NXT UK have either relocated to the US or have been released. And I think that points to the fact that WWE doesn't want to pay wrestlers to sit around and not do anything until NXT Europe is ready to go. What I think do you is, think they're do you think they're going to rehire him? I do. I think a large majority. That, that's kind of the vibe I got to. Yeah, I think a, a majority of the people that have been let go right now, unless somebody starts speaking really badly of the company, I think what is going to happen is they're going to work the indie scene until such time as NXT Europe starts up. And then you're, what you're probably going to see is a lot of those talents are going to sign new contracts with NXT Europe. The big question for me is, are they going to run NXT Europe out of the existing NXT UK office? Or are they going to shut that down and move to the mainland? Because to me, it makes more sense now that the UK is out of the European Union that they would run their operation from mainland Europe because it costs a lot less in term well not costs but it's a lot less complicated where it comes to crossing borders um when when you're operating in Europe you've got access to a lot more of the continent than you would do if you're operating out of the UK um there are probably tax incentives as well to operate out of Europe rather than out of the UK um, where do you think they're moving to? I think that's why. I, I think that makes sense. Hmm. You, you change it from UK to Europe, you move it somewhere else. That's probably what they're doing. That that explains a lot of what's been going on. Yeah. I See, the wrestling hotbed in Europe is Germany. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense to set up in Germany. That being said, the political center of Europe is Brussels in in um in belgium i could see them setting up in belgium there's an outside chance and i'm only saying this because of their history of of taxes and things like that maybe switzerland but i don't think so i think it's going to be germany to be honest with you i've either germany or if they really want to rub it in they could just move to ireland (laughs) <laughs> they could move to the Republic of Ireland. And I, mean, I can see that. that would I mean, that would probably be the easiest thing for them because they would be in Europe, but anyone that lives in the UK that works for them has only got to jump over the Irish border. Now, that would be the same problem as going to France or Germany or whatever, but you don't necessarily need to get on a plane for that. Um, 
but I expect NXT Europe to run mostly out of Germany, um, maybe Spain, maybe a little bit of France, but I think Germany is where their bread is going to be mainly buttered. Germany and probably a few shows in the UK, but until it gets off the ground and we know exactly what the details are and how it's going to work, I think they're going to spend most of their time in mainland Europe. But yeah, that's that's my theory. I, I think that a lot of the people that they didn't want to risk losing at all have been kept on. Um, people that were amenable to moving to the US have moved to the US. So Gallus, Tyler Bate, people like that. And then people that they would like to keep with the company but aren't worried about losing possibly, they've let go. Um, the one mistake in all of this, is Millie McKenzie. They should not have let her go from her contract because mm-hmm. that girl is special. Like, really, really special. She's going to be ridiculously good. She already is ridiculously good, but she's also ridiculously young. Young And combination of experience and talent is always going to win out over youth and talent. So she is going to be great. She's now not under contract with WWE. If I was AEW, and if she was willing to move to the US, I'd break her arm off at the fucking wrist, and I I would have her all I would have all day and all night. I would sign her up to a contract. I'd get her over to to AEW. I would pair her with absolutely every wrestler that they've got that can hold a match. Um, she's going to be a huge huge star but we don't know the terms of the release of these contracts. It might be that they've gone to these people that they've released and they've said to them, look, this is what's happening now. We can't pay you to sit around and not do anything. It's not going to do you any favours. It's not going to do us any favours. So we're going to terminate your contract on the understanding that we are going to come back for you when NXT Europe is up and running. If you sign something else in the meantime, no harm, no foul but try not to burn your bridges because I think long-term they're going to be coming in and they're going to need to staff that NXT Europe roster from from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you were to ignore all of the talent that you've released, there's not that much more out there. So, I don't know. Um, Yeah, here's what I think is interesting going forward i don't know when the europe brand did they say when they're gonna re-up that 2023 apparently okay so next year Mm. i here's what i think is gonna happen first of all how do you feel about in general the fact that two weeks from now we have uh clash of the castle on saturday Mm. and then worlds collide (laughs) and all out (laughs) It's Sunday, the next day. It's a great time for wrestling. I mean, I'm going to be at Clash at the Castle. Um, are, are you really? Mm, yeah, yeah. Bought tickets for it on the day of release, and we've sorted out. Are we going to have to adjust our schedule, or is it going to be over? Uh, we are going to have to adjust our schedule, possibly, because I'm going to be in in Wales all weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... That looks great. How about that card? How about how about uh, Gunther versus Sheamus? That's going to be fun. I like big boys slapping me. Um, look, I, I've I, I've gone on record 
I'm not massively struck on Gunther. Mm-hmm. Gunther, Walter, whatever you want to call him. I think he is a decent wrestler who got a lot of notoriety because he's got a very, very violent chop. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen of him in NXT hasn't particularly changed my mind on that front. He did have an excellent, excellent match against um, Dragunov. And I can't take that away from him. It takes two good wrestlers to have a brilliant match. That match was the best match I've seen him. Yeah, oh, for sure. But I I still feel like in almost every other match that I've seen him in, it's basically chop, 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 chop. Maybe he drops them on their head with a suplex and he chops yeah, them Yeah, but if you're going to chop somebody... No, I know. It should be, be Sheamus. Oh God, yes! No, absolutely. Like, Sheamus looking... is going to be a different color at the end. He will be. He will be. Um, I I like the matchup. I think Sheamus will have a really good match with him, and it will be a proper brawling match. I don't think there's going to be much technical wrestling involved. Um, but I'm not a big fan of of Gunter, and um, I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, the one thing he had going for him was he was a big old unit, right? And now he's just kind of like this lanky, skinny dude that can do a chop. And it's like, some, I, how do I say this without sounding like an absolute prick? You should always be most concerned about your health and well-being. And I would never tell someone to not lose weight if they, if they wanted to lose it and if it was for their health. But I feel like Gunter benefited from being that big fucking hefty lad with extra timber on board because it always felt like he had extra oomph behind his strikes but to borrow a phrase from Triple H he now looks like a skinny fat ass (laughs) and he he looks great in photos and then you see him moving, and it's just like he's a bit wibbly wobbly, jelly. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Maybe he could change it up his ring gear or something. I don't know. I. I'm not the best oh, person to ask about Gunter, but I think that the possibility of Sheamus getting an absolute hiding and walking out with the Intercontinental Champion to become a Grand Slam champion is really tempting. Um, I, I'm excited for, for all that, but again, the, the, the thing that I'm most excited for right now, and they haven't announced it yet, but I think it's only a matter of time. I, I feel like what's going to happen is they're riding out until after Clash of the Champions, and then they're going to do the draft. Mm, yeah. And then, and then I think after the draft, we're going to rebrand these shows. We'll probably rebrand NXT back from 2.0. Um, <laughs> it will be NX3. Next three, <laughs> and, I, and I've heard, I've heard. I don't. I think it might have been called the Holic that reported it, but I heard that, that might be what happens. Is they basically, it's kind of like I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised they use the draft to put some people back into NXT and create an actual watchable show again. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think they're gonna. They're. I, I have a feeling after, even the way they did. 
control being on SmackDown this week. Hmm. Made me excited for what Triple H will do when they have two rosters. Because it's like, you still have them appear and show up and participate in the show without feeling like they can just show up on any show. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. And, and just everything that they go post once they feel like they get out of this little holding area and they can kind of start to actually like make bigger creative decisions and hopefully for the love of god i honestly fuck it put put the belt the change the belt at clash of champions i don't care just i don't want it to be a Roman anymore i know i said it i just i don't want it anymore <laughs> look Mac, just Mac something and... else even if it's only one belt just yeah not both of them. drew mcintyre has uh got a lot of people kind of excited uh, a lot of music nerds, entrance nerds, quite excited. Yes, that'll be awesome. I hope they do it. Yeah. I gotta say, because I don't like his current theme. Um, I, I don't mind it. I, I think the other one's better, so I hope he uses it. But at the same time, I feel like his presentation, just being under Triple H instead of Vince, is already light years better. He's lost the sword, isn't he? He's lost the sword. He's dressing like a normal person. Him and Kevin... The promo and the match was fucking awesome. I've not Ron. watched it yet. I've not watched it yet. Oh, I, it I actually, should, it's so good. There are two things that I need to do. I need to start watching um, regularly again to see if it has improved. The second thing, I really do need to give Gunter more of a chance to see if he's improved or at least diversified. Because I, I don't think I saw the Shinsuke match, but people said that was pretty good. This is the thing: so. if, he, if he's working someone like Shinsuke, if if I see improvement in that match, then that's a good indicator. But I, I feel like I've been very harsh on on, on Gunter. But I honestly, I, I find it really difficult to get excited about his matches just because of the fact that I know how it's going to play out and. He's not got an inspiring look, and he, for me, he's less inspiring looking now than he was when he was in NXT. Um, what I really want from NXT is for them to go and call it NXT 1.5. I want them to go backwards in the, <laughs> you know, like a, I, I want them to roll back to an earlier install, uh, so that they can be kind of like black and gold, but with a few of the NXT 2.0 talents in their current. I think guys. yeah, I think that's the plan. I, I think it's changed. Call it NXT again. Drop the 2.0. Keep some of these people around can and we, add some people back. Can to we it please? Can we please call him Rex Steiner now? That would be cool. Can we just get rid of Bron Breaker because oh my yeah, like name's Bron Breaker happen, and I like to I break like to stuff. Like I, I, I think there's a chance. Rex Steiner's a cool fucking name as well. It plays off of his real last name. So anyway, look, that's been longer than five minutes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had our fix of wrestling talk we'll have, we'll have more to talk about uh, in the coming weeks Absolutely. I just like the fact oh this is what I was going to say the Kevin Owens and um, uh, Drew McIntyre match and promo ahead of it mm. it's one of those things where there's a there's a DQ finish because the Usos break it up but that makes sense because they they show up and attack Drew, which yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I was actually really glad because as that match was going, I was like, fuck, I don't want either one of these guys to win. Because this match is so hot and exciting because Kevin just came out and said, I'm going to be a fucking champion again. And Drew's like, let's wrestle because we're wrestlers. Let's do this. I want that belt. I'm, you know, I'm going to fight. 
was like, man, both these guys are so fiery and exciting right now. I don't want to see it. I want to see this match again. And I want to see like them wrestle for the belt. So I don't want this to have a finish. And mm. sure enough, they, <laughs> they cut it <laughs> off. And I was like, thank God. I didn't want to, I didn't want to see a winner. Because mm. it was so good that I was like, I need this paid off in a bigger like stage yeah. for a more Which important good, reason good later booking. on. Good and, and for that to happen in one segment, because I didn't want that match before when Drew came out there. Mm. I didn't think I wanted to see Kevin come out there. Mm. And then that, thing, that segment happened. I went, fuck, this rules. I love these guys. You know, the funny thing is, I've been watching a lot of WCW recently because uh, my granddad likes to have some wrestling to watch. And I thought, sod it, let's go back in time and uh, relive the uh, the Monday Night War that I never lived first time round. The amount of times that they have a match and it ends up being a DQ finish is obnoxious, like really horrendous. But the thing is, like you've just said there, when you do it right, it can be a really effective way of extending a feud out. It's just, it's so frustrating when you see it done wrong. Um, just to finish up, this will be the last mm-hmm. thing, and then uh, I, th- I think we should probably close off for the day. Um, I've just seen a quote, uh, a quote, a tweet from Kevin Owens. There are two things about this tweet that I want to just mention. First of all is the content of the tweet itself. It's a quote from Bailey from August 20th. Uh, Why do they always want tables? Did I want tables when I was a fan? That's a great line. Second of all, uh, Kevin Owens has changed the spelling of his name to have two N's at the end. Very to see if that continues. (laughs) I I love the fact that he's this petty, (laughs) that he calls people out on this shit. Basically, for anyone that, that hasn't been keeping up, um, Kevin Owens was criticised by a fan for using the stunner and the fan said that he should um, use um, he should invent his own finisher like everyone else that's original um, Kevin quite po- quite rightly pointed out that look there aren't any moves that can be made up anymore like they've all been taken um, and then secondly said uh, why do you spell your name with two N's at the end? Are you, tr- are you trying to be original? Or it was something like that. Um, he then posted a picture of him uh, looking miserable in front of a body of water and said, look, I can do it too. And now he's spelling his name with two N's. Um, <laughs> I, I aspire to this level of pedantry. Um, Kevin Owens is like one of my favourite wrestlers. Not just because he's a very good wrestler, and quite clearly a really devoted and loving f- husband and father because he is absolutely you you can just tell but also because when he does social media he absolutely does it right like he knows what he's doing he will heal people until he's red in the face there's a lot of wrestlers out there that when they use social media to um either extend their heel personality or just to kind of rail against people, they either they they overdo it or they go a very corny route. But there's something about Kevin Owens and the way that he does it that I just really i I love this. I love this so much. Um, well, I, I highly recommend checking out that segment. I'm excited to see what he does moving forward because it seems like they're finally going to treat him as a normal person and like give him that character that he's needed for a while now i i'm very excited and i am just 
it's just been such a breath of fresh air. Even this whole thing this week they're in Canada. And Ooh. when I was in I was at Raw in Cleveland two weeks ago, uh they announced the match for that night. They're like, We're gonna be in Canada soon. It's gonna be Edge versus uh Damian Priest. I'm like, it's just so cool that you're promoting three weeks out a match on Raw. Mm. They haven't done that in so long, and it's Planning just ahead. so refreshing to see. And they've been doing it on Raw and SmackDown every week. Like, yep. I remember this was something Will talked about on RBR that they never did, but they're finally like, here are the matches that are coming up on our shows. There's a reason to mm. watch. Yeah. And that's it's not just to say, so refreshing. It's not to say that you can't book matches on your show there and then. Like, but and they've done it mixture. still, but it's nice to see that there's actual stuff that they're Yeah, there, there needs to be a healthy mix. You need to give long-term fans something to look forward to, but you also need to give them a reason to tune in and be delighted by the surprises that they can encounter. So mm-hmm. you need a good mixture of ad hoc booking on the night, like, right, you two have got a problem with each other, so I'm booking you in a tag team match player, um, versus next week, we're going to have this versus this in two weeks' time. We're going to have this guy take on this guy because it's his hometown, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can't remember, apart from, like, title matches, I don't remember too many shows being able to book multiple weeks in advance. Normally, at the very most, they'll book next week. But, yeah, that's that's encouraging. I like the fact that they seem to be working toward a long-term plan now that's very encouraging and and what i've seen of what i've watched so far it feels like they're moving in the right direction at the very least so yep looking forward to uh, checking out uh monday night raw on monday and uh beginning the build-up to the clash at the castle hmm. what a week it's going to be in two weeks when <laughs> there's a wrestling show every day except thursday and multiple ones on the same day sometimes i'm I'm sure there's a show that runs thursdays do impact run on thursdays now i don't know what day impact runs it might be thursday (laughs) nobody counts it though nobody pays attention nobody cares about impact (laughs) but maybe who knows maybe i'll watch impact that week just so i have a wrestling show to watch every single day there you go Sounds oh, like a plan. God, no, but maybe. 